What's up, boss? Happy Friday, Stephen. Happy Friday. It's not just Friday. It's the first Friday here in Cincinnati, which is German Catholic town. It's the first Friday of Lent, which means the fish fries are happening. They're happening. I have a little app on my phone that shows me the top 80 Catholic fish fries in town. So you can just go pick wow. the best fish fry. Wow. Uh, that not happening in Salt Lake City. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not a very, not a, not a Catholic stronghold. Salt Lake City. Is there a favorite food of the Mormies? Well, if you asked what are the traditional Mormon Utah foods, funeral potatoes would be a top front runner and green jello salad. That's kind (laughs) of, you think I'm joking, but if you, people around here will throw like a Utah theme party and people will bring these potatoes with cornflakes on top, kind of like a potato casserole. It's not bad. And green jello molded into like a jello mold with fruit yeah. in it. Those would be two things that you would see at a Utah themed dinner. <laughs> that is like unculture food culture. Yeah, that's true. There was, we have great restaurants now. When we first moved here, it was bad. Hmm. Like you'd go pay $30 for a piece of salmon burnt to the consistency of leather and some hmm. overdone broccoli. I mean, this is still a weird place and no one should move here if they're thinking about moving here. <laughs> um, I don't recommend anyone moving here because it's already way too crowded, but uh-huh. we like it. Okay. I just finished some some lamb vindaloo tacos that I made myself with some leftover Indian food. Okay. I was um, going to ask where one purchases vindaloo tacos, but I see it's a, it's a parrot fusion. It's homemade fusion, yeah. And we had Indian food in the fridge because we threw a little celebratory end of Lodo Feb presentation meal for the family where I prepared some some talking points. I went through how much did we save. I even said, now, this is how much we saved. And this would have provided groceries when mom and dad were first married for seven and a half months. Oh, Um, my goodness. Or because our kids don't know. My oldest is starting to know, but mostly they don't still understand big dollar amounts. Like, yes, the difference between a thousand and ten thousand is not easy to grasp. Mm hmm. So I tried to give them some handles for, you know, this is how much money we're talking about. And then we just sort of kicked it out there to what could we do with the savings that would would be uniquely parrot in the kingdom of God. Beautiful. I didn't, I will say I got Jack Diddley on that from my family. I had some ideas and stuff, but it was kind of like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you think, dad. We came up with some stuff together, but there wasn't a lot of proactive yeah. stuff. And this was an Indian-themed party, which brings me to um, this question. Have you ever been to an Indian restaurant and then like on the way out, like where you pay, there's like a bowl, a decorative bowl. Instead of like having mints in it, it has like colored, it's like seeds. They're like colored seeds. Yeah, the anise, uh, it's like licorice and... And there's little, they almost look like sprinkles in there. Yeah. Yes. I find this a strange invention. You go to China uh, and the food is not like Chinese food. It's very different. Right. You go to India, for the most part, if it was Indian food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So 
Right. Um, even even down to the little as you're leaving the restaurant bag bowl of seeds uh, that was present in all the places we visited. Any any wrap up thoughts from you guys on Lodo? I I've been so encouraged by um, people who have reached out to us on Volley and talked about their Lodo experience. I had a guy from my gym who kind of randomly asked about it, and I sent him one of our blog posts. And he, he and I had lunch on Wednesday, and he said, this was the coolest thing we've ever done. Whoa. I, he just said, we needed this so bad. Neat. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I still believe in the power of Lodofeb to unite us as an Abraham it brings wallet. the family together. Well, the first thing I would say is I want to give a little anecdote from the Volley channel r- regarding Lodo. I don't know if you saw this video today, but somebody just called in and told us, called in, they put up, they put up a video is what they did. They put up a video saying that their microwave, there's a switch on their microwave that, that went wonky. Oh, right? Yeah right at the beginning of February. And and this guy must be a fix-it guy because he showed us on the video he had disassembled his microwave and realized that it was a um, $9 part to, to fix his microwave. And they decided as a family, we're not fixing this microwave, we're not spending the $9, and we're going to go the rest of the month with no microwave. And this is just part of as we've said, kind of volunteering into hardship, not trying to invent hardships for ourselves, but as he said, we're trying to practice that muscle of saying no to ourselves and our wants. And I, I found that uh, charming and inspiring um, that they would do that. So he, part of his celebration was, hey, it's March. That means we can get our um, microwave fixed, which I found wonderful. Um, I also posted a little video walking through my pantry and freezer and stuff at the end of the month, uh, to show that it was relatively barren. And, uh, we are, we are still, um, we are still in the, in the idea stages of what we're doing with that money. And, and there are good, there are good ideas coming up. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that microwave switch thing was awesome because he said how much it cost the switch. It was $9. And I, I mean, that wasn't a big expense. It was all about the the choosing to endure difficulty. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and it encouraged me for sure. Well, today we're going to talk about a controversial topic. Oh, we okay. you may have heard it said that money can't buy happiness, but we're here to tell you, like some Abrahamic gangster rappers with our big gold chains yeah and okay a big diamond encrusted s and m uh i think that's what our rap personas would sport but uh-huh. that uh we we think that you actually can buy yourself some happiness if you are a wise spender of money so that is, provo- that is a provocative way of setting up a subject mark i can't we, we wait might to hear more to- we might need to try that again so that you have some fodder for the the intro clip where you just put something out. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you don't think money can buy happiness, 
well, we've got something to show you. And it's these gold chains with these diamond encrusted letters on them. Do you think we should get some naysayers for the podcast? Like, because now we have the video podcast and I really liked last week how you used the picture in picture. So the speaker was highlighted. Yeah. We could have naysayers that when we say something controversial, they just raise rabble and it goes to the naysayers outside the building. Like that, like that ESPN show where the guys argue. There's a cup. There's a guy sitting in the corner pointing up at you, going, "No way, that's not. No, you're an idiot." I naysay your theory here. Money cannot buy happiness. Prove it to me. Okay. Well, let's start with. Well, let's start with scripture, shall we? That's a great place to start. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read some verses that might not sound like they're making my point, and then we're going to dive in. Okay, Ecclesiastes 5.10 through 11. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? 1 John 2.15 and 17 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Got to have a proverb when we're talking about money. Proverbs yeah. twenty-eight twenty-two says, a stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. And 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, <clears throat> who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take a hold of that which is life indeed. I'm eager to hear your comments on these verses, but based on the verses alone... You're reminding me of a recent episode titled Wealth is Not the Goal, which used some of these same passages. So what are you, what are your observations? That was a good episode. You know, sometimes I look back on our episodes and I think that was a really great episode and and wealth is not the goal. That would be they're going to do reruns of that one someday, but Yeah. That um, will be we'll be borrowing equity from that one for a while. Before we dive into expositing these scriptures, I want to give you some wisdom from another source, oh. uh, the University of Texas at Austin. Oh, no. Which uh, <laughs> may be questionable in their, their general wisdom, but um, there was a study that came out in 2020. Let me, throw, about... let me throw a little thought here. If, somebody okay. is, if somebody's a Bible purist and they're saying, I don't want to hear what the University of Texas at Austin has to say. I'll just tell you, I learned this long ago. I don't know. This was maybe Francis Schaeffer or somebody. They talked about if you have a biblical worldview, which is, of course, based primarily in the scriptures, then you can launch out of that biblical, you can launch out of the biblical basis and you can gather wisdom from various other sources that can be folded into that biblical uh, base. We know that's the case because the Bible actually sends you to extra biblical sources to learn wisdom. For instance, you once wrote a series 
about going to the ant and learning from the ant. The Bible actually sends you to the ant, which is not a biblical source. No, no ants wrote any of the scriptures. None of, none of the letters were penned by ants. Um, Psalm 19 tells you to go to the uh, sky and that the sky speaks wisdom about God, speaks God's wisdom. I was just reading uh, last week that in the book of Job, don't ask me which chapter, Job says, go to the birds of the air and they will tell you, go to the animals and they will speak. They, they know things about the glory of God. So the point is, and, and, and actually Paul references um, current uh, philosophers and quotes them saying there's some wisdom in what they're saying. So when you go to an extra biblical source, if it reinforces uh, biblical truth, we accept it as wisdom. So that was a, that was a, just yeah. came to mind. So g- give us, give us what these uh, pagans at UT have to say. Yeah. They came out with a study and their study, it came to some I would say boring conclusions. Okay. These these felt I kind of think we already knew this, but purchasing experiences over goods almost always leads to greater feelings of happiness in the long run. You've heard that before, right? Something like that. From I'm 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 actually pleased to hear that. That's a little bit more revelatory to me than maybe it is to you. It's something I think and feel, but I'm glad to hear a study tell me that. So experiences over goods, which is what I prefer to spend money on. Yeah. Buying stuff. So things can be a huge letdown is basically what this study found. Um, And no matter how great the stuff is, it eventually becomes very ho-hum. I don't know if you remember, but I wrote an article back in the early, early days of Abraham's wallet talking about uh, spending on stuff. And I'll never forget it. There was this fantastic, interesting study done somewhere in Europe where they gave people uh, either a used Honda Civic or, or its equivalent to drive or a Lamborghini. And then they had these brainwave monitors that they were hooked up to when they got in their cars. Don't ask me about the details here. Maybe okay. I can I can link to the show notes, the, the study. But... They were doing that and they were having people write down their feelings as they drove. And for the first week, man, the Lamborghini owners were like, I am balling out. This is awesome. Yeah. But it took something like three weeks before the the excitement response in the body was exactly the same between the two groups. That's interesting. Um, and the point is... We're just wired to whatever we have pretty quickly becomes ours. It's our thing. So it doesn't matter if you have a Lamborghini. It's eventually going to be like, I just got in my car and I went to right. EVS. Um, so, so the learning here is if you have a hankering to purchase a Lamborghini, what you should do is get on Turo, uh, rent a Lamborghini for two and a half weeks, and then buy a Honda. Yes, and that's that's what I have done. You recently, I have a high school reunion coming up, mm. and my my inclination anytime I'm traveling is to check Turo and see are there any ridiculous cars that I could drive when I go there. So yes, we took a work trip with my wife, and we rented a Porsche 911. Oh, fun! It was ridiculously cheap, like for what it was. Um, 
anyways, that's great. I always do this, and I have a high school reunion coming up, and there was a Maserati in Ooh. Dallas for something like sixty-five dollars a day. Because a lot of these exotic car people on Turo, they buy them with like eighty thousand miles. Nobody wants a Maserati with eighty thousand miles. Yeah. Um, so you told me it would be better for you to spend way more to get a rental Ford Taurus from Hertz than to show up at your 20th high school reunion in a Maserati, which is about the biggest jerk move I can think of. So I thought that was (laughs) wise advice. Yes, yes. So no Maserati. But um, anyways, buying stuff, we this this folds in really nicely with what we talked about last time about vacations um you know part of this study talked about how buying stuff can lead to needing to buy more stuff uh, mm. i have felt this recently we bought a vacation house and i enjoy the vacation house but the thing i enjoy most it's not actually very fancy it's not a super fancy property mm-hmm. um the thing i enjoy most is that there's not any junk there so right I've got always, I've got one spatula. Well, here at my house, I've got six old spatulas and the drawer is hard to close. I've got four coffee cups. And if we're going to have more than four people, we use the travel mug or whatever. Right. Um, There's just, there's one of everything you need. There's like three board games. Um, I can see that. Good books. I can see that allure. It's delightful because it's, when I go to clean up at the end of the day, before we go to bed, it's like, there's nothing here. It's like a hotel. Um, but, but it has everything we need. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ecclesiastes, if we remember it said as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to owners except to feast their eyes on them? And this is what I feel like when I look out at my at my six spatulas that I have here, yeah. I think what good are these except to feast my eyes on them uh, <laughs> and just indulge in the gratifying the lust of the eyes as you, as you pour the over the spatulas and you just go, I could have any spatula I want because I rule the roost. And that's when you pull out the chain and that's when you start bumping up in the house because you're like spatula king like that. Yeah, it, there actually was that that old Weird Al movie, Spatula World, was a real thing. But uh, yeah, so all all seriousness though, I think we've all felt this. The more stuff you get, you you don't in, get a four thousand square foot house and find that you just don't. I don't, I don't know where what to put in this room thing our 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 domains get filled up uh, as we acquire more stuff so i think it's very in vogue to just stop there and say so shift your money away from buying more stuff and towards buying experiences have that's, a great day that's kind of where this all the articles i found that cited this study at texas did they just like oh you should go on vacation instead of buying an xbox um and there, we, is some, there is something to paring down your possessions. There is something to that. Yes. Marie Kondo. Um, you thank it for its service to you. There's probably some occultic thing in, in her. <laughs> yes. like, but yeah. Decluttering is a good thing in yes. general. But uh, we at the Abraham's Wallet podcast are not in vogue, are we? No. So we're going to dig a lot deeper into this. Good. But uh, 
Before we do, I would like you, Stephen, to tell me about the experience spending that you've felt the best about recently. So we kind of talked vacations last week. So if you can come up with something that's not vacations, great. But tell me some money that you spent that you thought, I spent it, I wasn't investing it, it just went out and that was a good use of those dollars. Okay, let's have so many answers to this question. I wanted my I wanted my in-laws and my parents to be together. And I wanted it to be attractive for them. I didn't want it to feel like a slog for them to come along. So this was either this is a couple of years ago now. Um we rented out a house in in uh College Station, Texas on the weekend when our kind of family university, Texas A&M, played my in-law family university of Auburn. We got tickets for my family. We got this house. We did the catering for them and spent it on on just those six, in-laws, parents, and me and my wife getting together. And it was a, it was a sizable ticket uh, and uh Delightful. I built a I built a tree house behind my house and a little hmm. gully that's right behind our house. All told, that was probably between three and five thousand dollars to to put that up. Um, one of the reasons that I did it is because I wanted to actually do the work and and uh, so it I got benefit from learning and doing it. But the other benefit was that there's this. Uh, space that's removed from the house, but it's also on our property that my kids can go play in and the neighbors can. And so I think that was money very well spent that we're, we're going to, we'll be on the receiving end of that money for as long as we're in that house. Yeah, that's cool. The stuff that came to my mind was we spend some serious coin every year on ski passes mm-hmm. because we live in a place where we can ski regularly. Mm-hmm. And that's just starting to feel like better and better every weekend. Um, After we get done with this podcast, I'm headed out to the Walmart to purchase like a portable Blackstone grill so that we can start tailgating. So when we go ski, dad's going to man the grill at lunchtime and we'll have chairs out and we'll have a cooler because it's getting to this wonderful part of the Utah ski season where it's like 45 degrees and sunny every day and it's delightful to just be outside. It's not cold where you're getting really good snow, but you're frozen. Um, and so is tailgating at in the parking lot of the ski resort, is that a thing? Do people do that? Oh yeah. 80% of the cars at lunchtime have a little grill and some lawn chairs. Some of them have a fire pit. People bring a whole smoker out with them. It's, uh, it's a fun. thing. So... Who wants to pay $25 for a bowl of chili at lunch at a ski resort? Yeah, that, that makes you feel like a sucker. Um, we've done other stuff that's kind of in the similar vein. Renting a boat for a day, that's expensive, but it tends to oh, be a good memory for absolutely. Love it. together time. Yep. So I guess the question is, why do experiences, you know, everything you mentioned there, we're not going to say don't buy stuff at all, but... What you mentioned, even the, the stuff, you weren't excited about the quality of the plywood that you used for that treehouse. You were excited about the experiences created by the treehouse. Yes. Um, 
you know, and then some of it's just pure experience that we talked about. But why do these things tend to make people happier than stuff? And this is where everyone's going to give a big eye roll and say, again, oh, no. Abraham's wallet. Guys, gonna- don't roll your eyes. It's rude. Yeah. Um, but yes, again, we're going to say, let's consider the five capitals. Mm-hmm. Um, so our smart Abraham's wallet listeners will sort of be saying, duh. It's because of the five capitals that spending on experience is better. And we would say God is close to the humble. So be careful with your tone there. But you're right. Um, If we think about the trade-off between spending 500 bucks on a new Xbox or a weekend with friends, one gets us dulled intellectual and physical capital. It restricts potentially relational and spiritual capital and leads to all manner of bad stuff. Yes. Sidebar. I was in church last weekend and the pastor specifically called out if you're spending more than a couple hours a week playing video games, men, you're doing something stupid. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Whatever. Cool. If your hobby is video games and you keep it in a reasonable bo- box in your life, then we could have Let's that talk about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give that guy an immediate pass just because it's common. Well, I'm not going to give him an immediate talk pass. about it. Yeah, I'm not going to give him an immediate pass, but maybe I, yeah, don't don't quit us just because of that comment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, the other, so a weekend away with your buddies builds oh. obviously relational, maybe spiritual capital. And, you know, we know that the capitals build on each other. So if you regularly get away with a group of solid guys, I bet that actually is going to create opportunities for you to build more financial capital because these are guys that you're going to do business dealings with. And also, so when we spend on experiences, we tend to build all five capitals. So, um, any thoughts on, on five capitals and experiences, Stephen? Well, sure. Um, the, the primary thing to consider um, with regards to spending money on five capitals, I don't know if I'm not, I don't know if I'm stepping on the toes of where you're going, but you know to to spend money to set up a situation where you actually increase your spiritual knowledge or your intimacy with God is one of the wisest things you can do with your life. So if you were to work for a month just so that you could save up enough money so that you could go out to a retreat center for two days and shut off everything else to seek the Lord and the money and the food was provided for you there and you didn't have to worry about anything. There's babysitting or whatever is happening so that you can seek the Lord. That would be such wise use of your money because you're paying so that you can spend time with God. Um, I'll give as an example, this is something that I'm considering right now. Um, this keeps coming to mind as you're talking, by the way. I've got I've got a a big birthday coming up this year. And so there's a lot of thought that I'm doing, a lot of tinkering with the brain about what I'm going to be doing for that birthday. Oh, and man. One, Just wait until the next section, though, because we're going to get into birthdays. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that I'm considering doing, I'm, I'm using this as an example of, of, of uh, purchasing spiritual capital. Um. I don't know if people have heard me refer to the the fellows at the Just Thinking podcast, but Virg, Virgin and Daryl are some dudes I like. I like these guys. And um, 
they speak at conferences regularly. And this year they're going to do a conference at a, a location I love, which is in Washington, D.C. at the Bible Museum. They're going to do a conference. There's a little auditorium in there. They're doing a conference there. Let me just say it is on the short list of things that I want to do to treat myself for my birthday is get myself to that conference. Now, that will be fun for me. It is it is uh, an indulgence, if you will, because it's going to cost some coin to make it all happen. And I would leave there having increased spiritual capital. I'm sure of it because they're going to be teaching God's word and I'm going to be interacting with God's word and et cetera. Um, the other thing, I'll just say this and, and then give it back to you, is that as you were saying, when you spend money to increase relationship capital with somebody, it is a very wise use of money. Matter of fact, so, so strongly that there are proverbs that talk about, um, <laughs> it's funny, the, the, the proverbs are interesting on them. We could, do a whole, we could do a whole episode on the subject of bribes, but... In the Proverbs, um, receiving a bribe is always talked about um, uh, badly. Like, you, we don't want to be people who receive bribes and do favor. We don't want to show partiality because of money. Strangely, the giving of bribes is seen as shrewd, according to the Proverbs. And that's because when you give gifts, uh, we did a whole episode on giving gifts. When you give gifts, uh, you earn if you will, I'm putting quotes around that. You you earn the right to have time with somebody. Um, so so having wonderful experiences with close friends, spending money so that you can spend time around an expert in, in whatever arena. Those kind of things are shrewd things to do with money. And unless you're, I don't know, I don't know what what, what could be wrong with you, but both of the things that I just described, those would make you happy. If I if I find my rear end at the Bible Museum uh, with Verge Omaha talking to me uh, with Daryl uh, saying bro 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 whoa 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 if that's happening in front of me I, I'm going to be very happy that would be very fun for me going on a weekend with friends some of the things that that are tinkering in my mind for my birthday those are going to make me very happy and those things require money. And um, if you use them well, we could call this episode money spent well makes you happy, but that's not as interesting as money buys happiness. So yeah, that's what I would say about, about the top two capitals and how money, if you can change, think of this, if you can do work the magic, um, the alchemy of turning money into friendship or turning money into spiritual knowledge, then work that miracle. Turn, do the alchemy. Turn money into relationships. Yeah, that's right. So I think that, you know, not all, to get back to the, the main topic, not all purchases of stuff are anti this way of thinking, um, but some are, right? Yes. So I just bought, you know this, but our listeners don't know this. I just bought some new golf clubs and I'm going to go spend time with people and make business connections. And, you know, I I don't think I'm getting any physical capital out of those suckers. Maybe when I'm like 80, (laughs) then golf will be physical. Fresh air is good for your brain. Yeah. Um, There was a time when I actually needed a fancy specialty deadlift bar to continue 
on the physical capital path that I was after. Yeah. I didn't care about the bar itself, but I really wanted the experiences. Um, you know, uh, I think that that being said, (laughs) yeah, it's got a little more whip to it, Steven. Okay, good. Um, I'm personally super susceptible though to going way overboard with whatever my hobby of the moment is. So when I got married, I think we I owned seven bikes and there was a time when I had 20 pairs of skis in the garage because I had a ski for every oh my particular word. condition and there was my mountaineering stuff and my hucking cliff stuff and my teaching kids <laughs> stuff. Um, and I always, when I get into those those pitfalls of accumulating too much stuff, I always wake up at some point and I go, what am I doing? This is a huge waste. Mm-hmm. And so that happened with the ski thing. I remember very specifically one day going, this is stupid. We should get rid of almost all of these. Uh, I, start, I got really excited about collecting fancy watches and I was like making money, flipping stuff. But then at one point I said, I'm falling in love with possessions and there's nothing I do with these things except look upon them and take pride in, in possessions. Um, so I got rid of them all and now I have mm. this digital, digital watch that tells me what my heart rate is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I historically said, even if I didn't buy stuff, I would say, well, I just really like shopping and researching and it's key. It's kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, I just like to think about whatever my next big purchase is. I even like that more than the actual purchase. And to that, I turn us back to Ecclesiastes, uh, which says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're always fantasizing about stuff you want to buy, which is exactly where I have been in my life at times, that can be very easily a doorway to the love of money in your heart. Um so my anecdote is to That's just good. intentionally, this is a good Lodo Feb thing, but Lodo Feb can be dangerous because if you spend it writing a long list of what you're going to buy on March 1st, you know, then you're not getting there. I, right. I'd say intentionally find seasons where you're not even, uh, you're not trying to buy anything. You're trying to say, I won't be researching my next purchase in this season. That might be helpful to some of you if you're like me. If you're not like me and you just say, oh, I need a car, and then that day you come home with a new car, that's fine. I'll spend six months reading every review of everything and whatever. So beware with the the, the stuff and try to think five capitals when, when you're buying. I think that's such a great uh, tip. I, I'm teaching a, a discipleship class right now, and one of the things that I... I'm, I kind of get into people's laps and try to get into their lives and we do different kinds of fasts. You don't do this this week, stay away from this and give yourself more to, you know, uh, disciple kind of things. And one of the things that I've called off for them is no shopping. I told them if you need to go buy something, you can go buy something, but you're not allowed to just scroll and look at boots and boots and boots and boots. If you need to buy boots, go buy some boots and and then move on. And there's something very American about the lust of the eyes and the the fun of looking. And yeah. um, we we should we should wean ourselves off of that. It's not good for us. Right. Agreed. 
So I'm going to switch gears for a second here and then we're going to bring these two things together. But, um, you know, I, I had a, we had a question on the volley channel, uh, last week about how do you guys do Sabbath? And it kind of brought some things to my mind that I heard a couple weeks ago that I think are really relevant to this. I was with John Tyson do you know of famous pastor John Tyson, Stephen? I not only know of famous pastor John Tyson, I have been in John Tyson's famous presence at his famous church in New York City before. We went and visited. Oh. The last time we went to New York City, before it became illegal to visit New York City, we went to John Tyson's church. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to say, not only do I know of him, he's here in studio. And <laughs> he's here right room. now. <laughs> then all of my uh, my notes would be thrown in the garbage and we just let him talk to us about this. Yeah, but, because uh, in, in his in his charming foreign accent, we would just go, wow, what do you say? You sound like Gandalf. He used to. Australian accents used to be charming until we now associate them more with like oppressive fascist regimes. So, no, they're still um, charming. They make it, when I hear an Australian accent, I think probably a surfer. I just think every Australian is like an outdoor adventurer and they go out into the outback for three weeks a year and live off of beef jerky and water. Yeah, well, yeah. If you want the best kind of one-minute capturing of the Australian spirit, go go on YouTube and subscribe to the Abraham's Walt podcast and then uh, type into the search bar uh, like Australian sea snake stand-up paddle. Anyways, I was with John, and he gave a talk on the concept of joy, And it's fascinating as I listen to him talk how the loss of joy is at the root of most midlife crises. Mm. So we all have kind of his thesis was we all have this wonder that comes as kids because we actually have no idea how things work, right? So when you're a seven-year-old and it's 105 degrees on a Texas summer day and someone hands you a push pop, you're just like, wow, I got a treat. And you don't know how this happened. And and it's just great. It's pure joy. I got an yeah. ice cream in my hand now. But yes. we get a little older and we start to see behind the curtain and you think, oh, somebody had to work for like 12 minutes of their life to fund this treat. So there's a trade-off. And maybe we'd be, you know, once that, that work starts to be our work, we start saying, eh, maybe I'd be happier to just, you know, not have the treat because work seems like a drag. Um, right. And, and that's that's kind of a financial example, but we start to figure out how things work in all these different realms of life, and our sense of wonder starts to go away. Um, you know, my kids, we, we go up to this vacation house, and my kids are still delighted and surprised every morning when we wake up at our little mountain getaway, and there's like 20 deer in the yard, or cool. there's a flock of, there's a flock of more than a hundred turkeys that live on the property. They're still enjoying Um, the Lamborghini. Yeah. And they don't say, Hey dad, I I think there's a bunch of deer and turkeys here because the neighbor feeds them around this time every day. They say, dad, there's deer. Check it out. Deer. And you know, it's been, it's been months, but they're still excited to see the deer because they have a sense like this childlike sense of joy and wonder. Um, and when we think we've got things figured out because we no longer wonder why every cool thing or even why every bad thing happens, it can be kind of soul numbing. Hmm. We start 
we start to feel like life is just an input output machine. Right. And the key, according to Mr. Tyson, to successfully navigating our way out of this midlife quandary is to intentionally choose joy and wonder. So shout out to Brooke and TJ, choose joy, um, kind of one of their themes. But um, in a sense, we're just choosing to view the world like kids again and stopping to allow, you know, forgive the trite tautology here, but the magic of whatever we're looking at to kind of hit us. Um, And people who can do that well tend to do well on the joy front. And those that can't, those that can't figure that out, they kind of tend to go down dark roads once they hit this, this midlife crisis thing. Um, So what does that mean for my family? One of the things is in the way we do Sabbath. That's why this came to mind when somebody asked about Sabbath on the volley channel. Um, I'm just trying to find new ways to push hard on the joy button with Sabbath. And this does mean you have to be extra disciplined during the week. Cause for me, I was trying to write down some of the things that I just think that's joy. And a lot of them involve just the right combination of fat, acid, and sugar in food. (laughs) But, uh, and if you're going to push hard enough on the joy button, then you got to make up for it with discipline in, in most of life. But That's a great point. I'm just kind of working to make Sabbath a day that's full of yes. Like, you know, um, we're going to talk about celebrating well, but I think that's often a bigger chance to say, what of God's creation gives me great joy and when is the right time to drink deeply of it? Um, so... Sabbath. I just tried to write some of this stuff out. Okay. The Reuben, the Reuben sandwich at the ski resort. It's like big as my head. And I'm like, I can't, I won't eat that on a normal day, but on the Sabbath, that's a yes. Okay. Um, after dinner walks in the summertime, shooting hoops with my kids. And when it's still light outside after dinner, I love it. Um, whiskey and campfires. If I can, convince my wife to instead of turning on the tv go make a fire in the backyard i don't love many things more than that or hang out with some guys around a fire that's great um per the recommendation of uh one of the guys that we both know he he taught me about sabbath nap times which uh for the kids is a nap time or maybe for the older kids is a quiet time for mom and dad you don't necessarily have to sleep in bed. Um, And if you ask me what brings you the most joy, well, it's going to be something that's happening in the bedroom most likely. So um, that should be a part of my full blast joy day. Why would I, why would I not? Um, I totally agree. Did you know that, that the Jewish, the Jewish tradition is if you have not consummated with your wife, you have not had Sabbath. Yeah. Amen. Um, you know, even little stuff, one of, uh, one of our mutual friends, Paul came and visited me here in Utah and he imported a year's supply of Geta, which is a Cincinnati treat. That's like uh, sausage and oats and stuff. And now on Sabbath mornings, we have Geta. How many um, pounds of Geta did he bring you? I think he brought me about 30 pounds. Oh my word. I know. I said, if you could bring me any, that'd be great. And the man brought me 
legit about a year's supply. So I'm still well stocked, which is That's great. great. I think thinking through these things, it, it, it gives you a window into how you can spend money in a way that's actually going to be, um, that's going to be good. That's going to, you know, to, to play on our headline, that's going to buy some happiness. Yes. And I, I wanted to kind of hit, you mentioned birthdays. I also have a big birthday coming up this year and you told me for your 40th birthday, you just said, I want to do 40, was it 40 hours? Yes. 40 hours of joy. Yes. And I, I've started already, my birthday's in September for my 40th. I've started already outlining what's going to be included. And at first my wife was like, do you want to go with friends somewhere? And I thought, I think I'm going to do birthday joy week right here and invite friends to come for whichever pieces they want. So that's, that's going to be, there's going to be golf. There's going to be mountain biking with my daughter. I'm going to rent out a basketball gym and we're going to have that. We're going to have a poker game. We're going to go wake surfing, all of it. Um, and what, I'll give you a live tip here. Cause I think probably we should do episodes about your birthday and my birthday and people might be interested, but Here's, here's what I did on that was that I had, I knew I had these events. So it depends on what kind of basketball game you want. If you want three on three, then you need six guys or with maybe an alternate. I don't know if you want five on five. I don't know. So whatever, it's whatever the, you want, cause you're going to be playing center. Okay. It's whatever the, whatever the event is. One thing I wanted to do was to have, a, um, there's this Midwestern game card game that I learned since moving here, Euchre. And I wanted to have a Euchre tournament. So you got to have four people to play Euchre. And then you're going to need, well, it's that teams of two. But to have a tournament, I would need really 12 guys so that we could swap in. And, and, and so what I did was I had a sign-up sheet. Here's all of the events that make up my wonderful hours. And I shared that, uh, the, the Google Doc with whoever. And like, you can sign up for whatever you want. But once the, what was it, uh, 10 spots are taken up for Euchre Tournament, you can't be part of it anymore. So every event had just the right amount of people and everybody, you know, I would show up going, oh, it's going to be a different combo of my favorite people, et cetera. So that's what I suggest. Yes, I loved it. Exactly what I'm thinking. And that way, if we if we schedule well, people can come from out of town for an yeah. overnight. And, yeah. and they know what they're going to be getting. Yeah, I might even... We, we got like a, a work bonus this year that uh, we just decided this is birthday funds. So awesome. for both of us, we're just going to say if we need to fly in somebody that can't afford to come, then we'll we'll do that. Whatever. That's awesome. Um, joy and five capitals. How, I think if we want to max out on all five capitals and I'm also on the hunt for joy and wonder. What mm -hmm. kinds of things, let's bring it all together. What kinds of things could I spend my money on? Great. Would make We're going to give people a cheat sheet of how to buy joy. Smart. Yes. This is, this is how you make not only the master smile at you, but you also buy happiness is by spend with your spending dollars. You spend them well. So we're just going to, maybe we'll tag team this, but okay. um, one bucket I have is learning new things. Mm -hmm. um, so, this can build intellectual or physical capital. Mm -hmm. um, it, it definitely engages the wonder muscle to learn something new. It kind of keeps you open to the idea that you haven't got the whole thing figured out. 
Uh, it's often done in community. So there's a, there's a relational capital piece. And this one to me is easy. I'm always, I think once I realized in life how, how good it feels to go from totally incompetent to semi-competent at something, I just wanted to do that with more and more things. Mm-hmm. I'm much more interested in going from zero to four on lots of things than I am from going from seven to nine on right. things. Yep. Um, at this stage in life, I don't know. So, yep. um, to me, this looks like everything from weightlifting to golf to, you know, getting really good at card games and whatever. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily put, put Xbox in there, but that's going back to a previously <laughs> controversial topic. So, <laughs> yeah. um, fr- friend of the podcast, Justin Wolfenberg has a business and he, and what he wants to do is he wants to equip fathers to be more skilled at, at, um, uh, taking care of their own homes. So his business is he will do rehab projects on your home, but he will not do it alone. It has to be dad and or boys from the family that are helping him to do the business. So it'll be like, well, we're going to build a new bathroom. I don't know how to build a new bathroom. And Justin will go, I know how to build a bathroom and you're going to help me do it. So the idea is you pay him to teach you how to make your own bathroom in in your house. Now, that's money very, very well spent. And um, when you're doing something like, let's say, build a treehouse, you can borrow tools, but you could also purchase your own tools. Every tool that I purchased to do work like that felt like an investment in me and in my family. And I was thinking, well, I would be hiring somebody that had this equipment or I can buy the equipment for me and learn how to use it and get good at it. So those those kind of purchases uh, fall under that category of growing in, in intellectual skill. We've already hit on this one a lot, but celebration. Um, I think that the lie is that it's better to spend money on something you'll have forever than on an experience or a celebration that will only last for a day or for right. a week. Yes. But, but even the godless academics who study this stuff would say that's clearly false. A good celebration is actually imprinted on the mind more powerfully than the satisfaction that comes from whatever widget you bought that sits on your shelf, even if it's there until the day you die. I think there's few better ways to build relational capital than a celebration. Most celebrations uh, that we are commanded to do in the scriptures build spiritual capital. So we're getting that both relational, spiritual. Um, We can, Nehemiah 8.10, it says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, I read that and I think sometimes God wants us to eat brisket together uh, because there's celebration is a way to. Yeah, I mean, you can't eat it too often. Celebrations, I I think we've covered a lot of the ones that we like to do. Um, We've talked about Sukkot. We've talked about Passover. um, We've talked about the weekly celebration of Shabbat, but... Anything else in this bucket that, that sticks out to you, Stephen? Well, we like to encourage people on their vision 
weekends or what or what we call goal summits at the end of the year, that that would be a, a highlight place where you would live under your means. Um, if you would just turn off the cable and watch out for it, because this is going to blow your mind if I even suggest this. If you turned off the internet in your home for a year, you could afford a fantastic uh, uh, goal-setting summit with your spouse. So you can make choices so that you live on less so that you could do up. And and so I don't want to hear anybody say, well, we we wouldn't have the money to do that. I could look around your life and find this money Um, so that you can you can have a big blowout on these kind of things. Similarly, um, my anniversary. So uh, I'm one of those people that kind of has a summer anniversary. So we have our our goal summit at the end of the year. We also have an anniversary summit um, in May. And uh, I I also have have a big anniversary coming up. So we're doing a lot of thinking about exactly what this what would make this experience totally exciting for both of us. And so we're thinking through exactly what that's going to look like. And, and it's going to cost some money and we're going to spend money gladly to make that, uh, to make that a great, um, celebration. Um, the other thought is I thought we would tea, I could tease right now that we have a, an episode coming up in the next, I don't know, it's going to be in the next month or six weeks, an episode with old friend of the pod, Mark Douglas, who's going to be talking to us about, um, commemorating the coming of age party. He's done that with four kids at, at the age of 13. And they actually use the phrase bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. You don't have to use those phrases, but he's going to be talking to us about making those happen. And, um, and that that's some of the best money, uh, that they've spent before. So celebration. Awesome. When you start getting kids old enough, I know a lot of our listeners have really little kids, but it's it's always a shift in the mentality when you realize my kids are old enough to participate in some of these decisions and conversations. Yeah. Like the thing their their week of joy would be different than mine and I should ask what those things are and start building those into our family right. celebration and stuff. Um I think that really honors kids when they realize I'm old enough to be at the decision table on how our family does joy. You already hit on this a little bit, Stephen, even though you tried not to, but generosity, <laughs> you know, you don't have to exclusively jettison money when you're doing generosity. So um, it's not always, hey, I wrote a check and I handed it to an organization or a person. Sometimes it's, it's, I expanded my celebration to include others, um, you know, I'm just thinking one of our good friends here um was coming over to our Sukkot celebration and the wife kind of offhandedly mentioned hey we really are interested i think they had gone to mexico and tried fancy tequilas just tasted them and said we were kind of interested in that and i was like let's buy the nicest stuff that they would just be blown away to ever taste they would never buy that and let's just let them like we'll do a little tasting i i kind of learned and educated myself and you know later she's like that was moving to us because we would never have spent that money and you just spent it and you know kind of poured it out in front of us like that um and everyone was responsible so no bad decisions were made but um 
I think I get a lot of motivation these days. I've mentioned this before by watching YouTubers uh, who are having like the best time of their lives doing these crazy giveaways. If you like guys just saying like, I've got to give away a hundred grand today. Right. You know, I don't think that they necessarily do it in a way that I would do it, but it's a reminder how much actual fun and joy can be involved in just pure generosity. Yeah. So obviously generosity can also build the other five capitals. Uh, Luke 16, nine, which you've talked about already says, Jesus says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, you, uh, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Um, and fascinating verse. We've talked about that in all sorts of ways, but using wealth to just bless others, uh, you will make friends. You will build other capitals in generosity. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, generosity is a greed combatant. Uh, so going back to that proverb, a stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. That's that's kind of counterintuitive when we think about that proverb. Uh, we think, well, that old miser, he never had any fun, but he just died with millions. Yep. Well, the proverb says he's got poverty awaiting him if he's stingy. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes back to five capitals. It's like somebody who's stingy, they are not leveraging wealth to build capitals that are hard to get and likely they're going to run out of the financial capital too because they don't know how to build capitals Mm -hmm. Um, generosity as as a way to experience joy and build capitals is a pretty pretty hard one to beat i was on a another podcast earlier today and it, it was really good somehow we'll figure out a way to tell our link our people to it um it was a great conversation and it was just um, this, this, uh, the host just had questions about how even being responsible with money kind of goes against a lot of what we've been taught, um, evangelical Christianity, that all that, that, that giving is all that there is. And uh, getting rid of all your money is the most responsible thing to do with money. Um, and one thing that you, you got to deal with is that every time that we're told to give in the scriptures, there's a promise. I'll, I'll, I'll quote, I think this is Isaiah, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed and shaken down and, and overflowing. So there's something about uh, just giving. It's just a command, just give, just give, just figure out a way to give, just give somewhere. And um, there's a great organization, um, friends, friends of Abe's Wallet and friends of Outpost Advisors called uh, Generous Giving. And the whole reason they exist is to educate people about what we're talking about here, that there is joy in giving and they want to inspire people to just be givers and they don't raise any money. You, you can't, you can't, when people train you on set, you can't give them money like, sorry, it's paid for. And um, I, I did some training with Generous Giving and they were there was like a challenge. You see, you know, agree with your spouse. Here's a number and figure out a way to give it away. And one thing that we did, um, which is the first time I'd ever done this out of that weekend, was you show up at Chipotle. You can see the line of people in front of you getting their burritos and whatever. And when you walk in the door, you go directly to the cashier and you just say, Hi, 
I'm going to pay for everybody that's between now and when I come to the cash register. Just, just know that. And the person, the cash register looks at you like you've got a horn growing out of your head and you say, really? I, cool. I, I got it. And then, um, and then you have this little pleasure. I, I can't describe the, the pleasure. It's really simple and wonderful of watching every person at the cashier while you go around in the line and watching the cashier and you, you know, the cashier doesn't know what to do. So you kind of feed them the line. Just tell people it's been taken care of and God bless them. Tell them that. And every person that comes up to the cash, like looking around, like there's a camera somewhere. What is this? What is this? And what does that cost you? What is, a couple of hundred bucks? And, and you want to talk about buying happiness. Uh, you can buy happiness by giving money away to strangers. That is a, that's a low level version of your, of your YouTubers giving away a hundred thousand dollars. And it's totally satisfying. I think this is super good stuff. And I think that people are so used to looking at money like it is a demon in a cage. And if we ever touch that thing, it's going to make us dirty and corrode us. And of course, we've talked about this ad nauseum. We just did Wealth is Not the Goal recently. Um, we, we've talked ad nauseum about, okay, living in luxury is not the goal. Um, you, you, you have to keep luxury. I really believe that we have to keep luxury at bay. And we have to choose to not indulge ourselves all the time. I think that's, I think that's part of being a disciple. However, um, we are so used to that line uh, from our religious sources that we don't know how to be shrewd with money. And we don't know that if you can be faithful, this is the next verse from what you just quoted, Luke 16, 9, Luke 16, 10 says, whoever is faithful in a very small thing will be given responsibility for more. And the Bible would describe money as a very small thing. Um, of course, it can get tentacles into your heart if you let it. But if you can handle that thing wisely, you will be given responsibility. Just think of working your way up the capitals. If you're wise with money, you'll be given more intellectual capital. If you're wise with money, you'll be given more relational capital. If you're wise with money, you'll be given more spiritual capital. So it's very exciting to me thinking of the light switch being turned on for people um, that, wait a second, um, getting you know a year's subscriptions to every TV show service in the world, if I could trade that off for two awesome friendships, that would be amazing. And so it's exciting to me to think of a whole herd of people of 10,000 people getting the light switch turned on going like, we can use money. We can do the alchemy of money into turning it into something that is not only valuable here, but might even be eternally valuable. We might be, to, we, we might be able to buy things, buy things like over tipping so that you can sit with somebody as they share their heart and get into the, the meat of their heart that would have eternal impact, that would save marriages, that would, that would save relationships of fathers with their sons, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're getting into in a very exciting arena of, of real happiness and, and happiness undersells it because you, you and John Tyson used this word before, joy. Joy is more sustainable than happiness and it's better than having a great ski weekend. Joy is something um, that, that lasts for a lifetime.
uh, as because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So um, anyhow, yeah, wonderful, great stuff. I love I love this whole discussion. Cool. Well, I think the closer is that buying stuff generally doesn't make you happy, but that doesn't mean that money can't buy happiness. I think buying things rarely combines the expansion of the five capitals with the increase of joy and wonder, but there are lots of ways to spend money that do increase both of those things. Yeah. So guys, I think that's your target when you're going to spend money, point it, point your dollars at, is this going to grow me in the five capitals? Is this going to build joy and increase wonder in my life? And if it does both, um, it's probably, it's probably a good way to spend money. Spend that money. If you're a hoarder or you have a miserly approach to money, come on. Use it, use it, use it, use it.